0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. We're well, so glad that today you are joining us, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online or by way of television. Thanks for being a part of this service. And today we're starting a brand new series that we're calling The Power of Love. And uh, probably maybe Valentine's Day weekend is the best time to start this. Not really intentionally, and, and I'll just be honest with you right out of the gate, this isn't much of a Valentine's Day message. In fact, this study that we're doing on the power of love is actually a series And for the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through the book of 1 John. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, whether you have it in a print or a digital form. We're going to look at some scriptures there together. If you're not familiar with this little book, it's located close to the end of our New Testaments. It was written by John the Apostle. And so he wrote five books of the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John which uh, has his name. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which are letters that he wrote. And he also wrote the book of Revelation, which we took kind of a big look at uh, last year for a season of time. And so we're going to look at the letter of 1st John right now. And the the reason is because I think it's really timely for us to consider this book. And uh, when I was praying about what God would have us to look at at these next few weeks as we lead up to Easter really kind of felt drawn to this passage of scripture, these five chapters in the epistle, the book of 1 John. It was written to the church in a time when the world was dealing with a lot of false teachers. The world was dealing with a lot of um, a shortage of truth, if you will, and that was affecting the church And the other thing that was affecting the church, you'll see as we go through this book, and I I challenge you to maybe pick it up and read it for yourself if you're not familiar with it, or maybe it's been a while since you've read the, the letter that John wrote here in 1 John. There was a lot of discord in the world and even in the church. And so in the midst of this tension and lack of truth, John writes this letter to the churches where he had influence. Now, in future weeks, we'll take a little bit more of a deep dive into the history, into what was happening during that time, who John was, where he was at. Today, I wanna jump right into this this book and talk about the power of love. Why do we call it that? Because the book of 1 John uses the word love more than any other book in the New Testament, and it's only five chapters long. So John puts real emphasis on our love for God, on our love for each other, and how that love gets lived out in our lives and in the world. So we're gonna be dealing with this over the course of these next few weeks. And here's the deal. I know that for months now, we have been dealing with, as individuals, a lot of the effects of the last year. And I'm hoping that the power of love will bring us back to the future so that we'll be able to look ahead to what God wants to do in our lives. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do a quick drive-by of the first chapter of 1 John, kind of study it a little bit, look at some of the themes that we see there and how it impacts our lives. So why don't we jump in? 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, here's what we read. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. when you you first read that, I kind of read it, my first response is to go, John, that's a little much, isn't it? (laughs) He's a little dramatic in how he kind of phrases this whole thing. And it's interesting maybe for us to unpack this first verse and, and touch on a couple of things. It's important that he says, that which was from the beginning. We live in a day and time where we put incredible value on something that is new. Like if you walk into the grocery store and you have two choices, oftentimes you'll be drawn, marketing shows, to the one that says that it's new. It's like, oh, that's exciting. We want the newest thing. We want the most recent version. We want the latest hot thing that's out there. But here's the reality. Life has not always been that way and maybe life shouldn't always be that way, especially in antiquity. And I think in a healthy life, There are things where we go, I want to go back to the thing, not just that's new, but the thing that's proven, the thing that I can trust. Now look, there's nothing wrong with dressing with the newest styles. There's nothing wrong with wanting to to experience the newest things. But it's important that our lives are anchored in the things that never change. And what John says here is, look friends, I want to bring you back to the thing that never changes because this has been from the beginning. It gives it credibility. It's something you can hold on to. I have to be careful that I don't let the news of the moment or the trends of the day pull me away from the things that really matter and are eternal. So John says, look, we're going to go back to that which was from the beginning. And then it's interesting because he, he never mentions who we are But in these first few verses, you see him say, it's which we have, we have, we have. He uses R. he says this over and over again, because he wants them to know that it's not just him talking, that there are witnesses. He's speaking about the believers that had been with Jesus. He's talking about the apostles. And he's saying to them, look, this isn't just me. You've heard this same story from other people. We were eyewitnesses to this thing. There was a collection of us. And it's interesting how he says, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. He doesn't just use one sense. In fact, there there were points in the law at that time where it wasn't enough to have just heard something. If you were gonna be a witness, you had to see it. Now, how about one more step further? You actually touched it. And what John is doing is he's confirming that he is a witness to these things. He wants them to know that what he's about to tell them about Jesus is real. See, the people he's writing to probably live in what today we would know as Turkey. It was Asia Minor in that part of the world. And so most of them probably had never been to Israel. Many of them probably weren't even Jewish, and John's writing them, and he's saying, look, I was in Galilee. I was in Jerusalem. I walked the roads with Jesus. I am not making this up. The things I am telling you, I was there, and I saw them. He wants to stress it so much that after he says this in verse 1, watch what he says in verse 2. 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. He says, the life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. He says it all over again. He emphasizes this. He wants them to know, I'm telling you what I've seen. Verse three, he then says this. First John chapter one, verse three. We proclaim to you, here he goes again, what we have seen and heard so that, those are always important words, aren't they? When you're reading anything, but especially the Bible, when you read something and then it says, so that, pay attention because he's telling you, this is why I'm telling you this. He says, so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete John stresses these things because he wants you to see and know something. There's things he does not want you to miss. When I titled this message, I titled it, Get Real. (laughs) Because what he's trying to do is show you some real things. And as we get further and further into this book, as we start to see more of the teaching, especially as we get into chapter two, as we see how they were believing and how they were thinking, one of the things that John wants to show the church is be careful that you don't believe false things. Make sure you believe real things. And right out of the gate, he wants to get real about a few things. So I wanna show you three things that John wants them to get real about, to understand right out of the gate before they go any further. You're not gonna find the word love in this chapter. So sorry for those of you that are kinda itching for that Valentine's Day push. We'll get to love as we move forward in this book. But he's talking about how do you get real. Here's the first thing he shows us. Number one, he shows us that Jesus is real. Why he stresses this is because he wants these believers who live hundreds of miles away from where Jesus really was to know that this is all true, which is important for us because we don't just live hundreds of miles away from the Holy Land where this happened. We live thousands of years away, so we need to listen to his witness. We need to hear what he's saying to us and understand that Jesus is is real, especially this was urgent because there was a church in that time who in many ways was walking away from the truth of the reality of the historical Jesus who was the one and only, not just son of man, but son of God. And in our day and time, do you think that's important to hold on to as well? Anybody? <laughs> so here's what, we, let's go back to this. Verse three, First John chapter one, verse three. He says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard So so that, right, there's that so that, you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Real quick, I wanna show you. There's three things in that so that that he wants us to see. Here's what he wants us to know. Here's what he wants us to find out are real. He wants us to see, and let me just show you this real quick. He wants us to see Jesus oh, let's go back, yeah, real quick, see Jesus. He wants us to see this fellowship that we have, and he's also gonna wanna show us joy. So let's talk about those things real quick. First, John wants us to know Jesus. Like, John wants us to know Jesus. Why is that so important? Because if you dig in and you read the Gospels, there was probably no one in Scripture who, in a human sense, knew Jesus better than John. It's, It's referred to in Scripture that John was Jesus' best friend. They had a very special relationship. And John knew what it was like to know Jesus as a friend, someone that he could trust, that he could depend on, that he could share with. And when he uses this word fellowship, it's not just, hey, why don't you show up for a potluck? Isn't that what we think? Have you been in the church for a long time? Right, you think of fellowship? It's like, hey, we're all gonna get together and have mediocre food. Can I get an amen? (laughs) That's not what he's talking about here. It's a relationship. And one of the things we're gonna see as we move through this book is that John wants us to know Jesus. Here's my question as we start to kind of journey through how love can change us. Do you know him? Like, do you know Jesus? Like, do you feel like you have a relationship with him? I've lived seasons of my life where if you ask me that question, the answer probably would have been more, well, I know about Jesus. Not so much that I know him. If I were honest with you, it wasn't just in seasons when my first name wasn't pastor. (laughs) Like there's seasons in our lives, I think, like in any friendship, where we can know someone, which means we know about them, we have an acquaintance with them. Do we know them? Like, are you in fellowship with Jesus? When's the last time that you feel like you really told him what was in your heart? When's the last time that you really felt like you sensed his his love and his presence? Maybe you say, Chad, I I never have, and how am I supposed to sense that from someone who I can't even see? But when you do, you'll know it, and you'll know it's real. My question is, do you know Jesus? Jesus. Because if you don't, my hope is that you really will. And before we're done with this series, maybe even before we're done with this sermon, something's going to click and you're going to realize that Jesus loves you so much. So much that he would die for you. And that you can know him. When John, when John shares this with us, he doesn't just want us to know Jesus, but he says part of how we know Jesus, and we'll get into this as we get to this book, see, John wants us to know each other. See, a lot of what he's going to talk to us about is our relationship with one another, the interaction we have with one another. And the reality is the interaction we have with one another really affects how we have a relationship with God. It's key to this. Our walk with Jesus affects our relationship with others, and our relationship with others affects our walk with Jesus. Like the two go hand in hand. The reality is if you neglect one or the other, it's going to affect you in some way. Wait, here's here's my question and maybe this is a good thing to ask on Valentine's Day. Does your relationship with Jesus affect the way that you show love to other people? It's interesting because I'll hear this from time to time. And and I, you know, I already I already mentioned for some people they think my first name is pastor. <laughs> Like, it comes with the the job, right? Pastor Chad Gilligan, you you hear that at times. But what also comes with that at times, and I know it's none of you that are in this room, it's certainly none of you that are watching this, but there are some people out there that simply because of my title, they want me to think a certain way about them because they think that I have certain information from God and power with God. (laughs) So if I think well of them, that might go better for them. And then every so often I'll have interaction with people and it's pleasant and it's happy and it's good and it's, oh, they're so nice, they're so whatever. And then somebody will say, man, I had the weirdest encounter with so-and-so and and they were so rude and they were so angry and they were so mean. Or I saw them do this, saw them do that. Boy, I, I, I wouldn't even know that they knew Jesus based on that kind of interaction. And I was like, who? Them? Pulling up their picture on Facebook. You sure? Like I've never seen that side of them. And you go, yeah, because you're the pastor. (laughs) They don't want you to see that. And there's this dissonance in their life between who they are with a spiritual figure and who they are with the people around them. And I think we do the same thing with Jesus sometimes. Right. We try to live our lives to impress him. We we put on our Sunday best and we try to, we think that we can separate out that relationship with Jesus. And then if everything, you know, if I've told Jesus how good I am, then I go over here and I treat somebody else really lousy. Look, it doesn't work right then. That. that that's not how things go. I need to guard that relationship. I need to recognize that my relationship with Jesus, if I truly love him, I'm not fooling him, it's gonna show up in how I treat my spouse. It's gonna show up in my consistency with my kids. It's gonna show up in that parking lot when that person cut me off and I got really upset and I thought about saying those things and then I remembered I'm a pastor. I mean, theoretically, hypothetically, right? You know, like, like but you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> if I have a love for Jesus, then that should come out in the love for other people. And then watch where John takes us with this. He says, then that John wants us to know joy, not just Jesus and not just others he wants us to know joy in fact he says if you'll grab hold of Jesus being real it will actually make your joy complete you'll see that phrase that Jesus uses it make your joy complete you'll see that phrase where Paul uses it it makes our joy complete the reality is that the state of your spiritual life has an effect on the joy that you experience and these things all come together And so when I put Jesus first and I let that love affect my relationship with others and then somehow that impacts my life, I experience joy. When I was a little kid growing up in church, we used to sing this little song where we would go, Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Have you ever heard that? Do you want me to sing it more? No, 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 no. I don't want to spoil you. Yeah, did you get what that said though? Jesus and others and you, J-O-Y. Cheesy, yes, memorable, of course. <laughs> that if I'll put Jesus first and then others, and then myself, it helps me to experience joy in life. Look, here's what John wants you to see. That if Jesus is real to you, it changes every area of your life. Now as we get further in the epistle, we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit more. But what he wants you to see first is that Jesus is real. He wants you to experience him for yourself. He wants you to have that moment where you really get to know him. Which takes us to the second thing that he wants us to see. Number one, that Jesus is real. Here's the second one. Number two, that sin is real. He wants you to see that sin is real. Very next verse, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you, meaning the message from Jesus, and we declare to you, God is light. That whole idea of God being light, we'll get to that in the future. We're not really gonna get into that here today. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Now watch this, you see this phrase here where John says, if we claim to, he doesn't just say it once, he's gonna say it three times and watch, there's the theme. The first time he says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And then when you get to verse eight, first John chapter one, verse eight, we read this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then when you get two more verses in verse 10, it says, if we claim we have not sinned, We make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Three times there, he uses this idea, if we claim, if we claim, if we claim. Scholars believe that what he's doing there is pointing out the false teachers. He's saying, these are the things that people are saying in your world. These are the things that people are saying in your church. And if you hear these things, recognize not only are they not true, but he points out that at the heart of this, there's sin, And he wants them to see that there are teachers who are telling you that you can live your life the way you want, and that you can choose to do the things you want, and that you can make your own way, and make your own choices, and that you can set your own rules. And what he says to them is, in a world that says you can set your own rules, it's important for you to recognize that sin is real. It's not something that you can ignore, but he helps us to see, first of all, that sin is deceptive. Like if you go back and look at those verses, verse six, verse eight, verse 10, he uses words like lie and deceive and a liar. Like he wants you to see that where there is sin, it's gonna draw you into things that are not true and are not real. So you need to be careful what you believe. You need to be careful how you choose to live because sin will look good for a season, Scripture says. Sin will appear to be the answer sometimes. Sin will make you think it is satisfying when actually it's just deceptive. Sin will lead you to live in a way that is not true. It'll lead you to live in a way that in reality is not true, and sin will lead you to believe in a way that is not real. It'll cause you to think that life is a certain way when actually it's not. Let let me take this one more step based on what he shows us and you can go back and maybe spend some time in this on your own, but verse six, eight, and 10, he not only shows us that sin is deceptive, but he shows us that sin is destructive, that it has the power to destroy us. He talks in verse six about walking in the dark and when you walk in the dark, you stumble, don't you? (laughs) I do anyways. He also talks about where there is no truth. And where there is no truth in verse eight, we see that it's just lies. He talks about the word not being in us in verse 10. And I can tell you when something is not in you that matters, then you're just left feeling empty. Sin is not only deceptive, but it's destructive. And if we don't recognize it as real, if we don't recognize that there are choices we make, decisions we make, ways that we live our life, things we've done in the past, choices we make about the future, if we don't recognize that those things have real consequence, that there's a deception that it pulls us into that leads us to destruction, if we don't recognize that, we're not living a life that's real and we might be headed towards a, a place we do not wanna go. I remember 10 years ago, our family took this really cool trip. Now you gotta, you gotta rewind this, right? This is 10 years ago. So I did have a cell phone, but it didn't have GPS on it yet. Do you guys remember those days? Anybody, do you remember that? You know what I'm talking about? Had the cell phone, didn't have GPS. And so we, we took a trip to California, kind of a big kind of summer vacation thing for us, and we were out there, and we were trying to find this hotel. Long story short, it was a brand new hotel and people did not know where it was. And so I'm looking on a map and I'm actually going to the wrong part of this town trying to find it. It was late. We were driving across the state and this was where we were just going to stop for the night. I'd never been to this place before. I was tired. I did not know what was happening. And I am too much of a man to ask anybody for help. Can I get an amen? And finally, this, was, this is actually the truth. Finally, when I made this turn and we found ourselves in like this grove of oranges like at 10 o'clock at night, I was like, this is not where we're supposed to be. So I pulled into a gas station, went in and asked the lady, hey, can you, can you tell me where where this is like i'm trying to find this and and i said i think it's a new hotel it's kind of and she goes oh yeah, yeah i know where it is you just do this do this do this do this, this, this and she told me you know you just go up and you just the first the first thing you see up here to the highway just get on the highway this way and you just and kind of thing so here i am i'm already frustrated i'm already flustered i'm believing what this lady told me so not only when she said get on the first thing cuz that's all i heard get on that first thing not only when she said that what i now going in the wrong direction she didn't know what she was telling me But she actually, because she just said the first thing, I just did the first thing, and I made an on-ramp out of an off-ramp. And I started going the wrong way. And I'm just, you know, at this point, I'm flustered. And fortunately, my wife, who is much more steady than I am much of the time, (laughs) said, do you know what you're doing? (laughs) Except she didn't say it quite that way. (laughs) In time to be able to back up, before gas station ladies' deception became the Gilligan's destruction. (laughs) Be careful who you listen to. Be careful what way you go. I finally called the hotel, told them where I was at, and they said, you are in the wrong place. (laughs) Let us give you the right way. You might think what you're doing makes sense right now, but if it is a path that leads you to sin, then that's deception And it's going to lead to destruction. And one of the things that John points out is that he realizes that for some people, it's not that they might head that way. It's that they did head that way. In fact, let's just be honest. It's not that some of us might someday head that way. It's that all of us one day did head that way. We've all sinned. And because sin is real, if, if, if we don't do something about this, it's going to keep us from experiencing that Jesus is real and the power that he can change our lives. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It tells us that the thing that separates us from God is our sin. And that every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has chosen to rebel against God. Every one of us has bought the deceptive lie and we've headed towards destruction. And John says, look, you can know Jesus. You can experience his life. He gives this truth. There's something great that's tied up here, but there's only one way that you're gonna find it. You're not going to earn it you're not going to be good enough it's not your works it's only because of what jesus has done for us so in a world where jesus is real and sin is real can i show you the third thing before i show it to you can i tell you this i have felt so strongly that there are some people that are that are in this room that are watching this listening to this that you need to hear this whether you've been in the church for decades, or maybe this is the first time that you've heard a sermon in years or your life. Can I tell you this? The third thing that John shows us here, number three, is that forgiveness is real. That forgiveness is real. Two verses, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Watch what he says here. He says, but if we walk in the light, we'll get back to this idea of the light as we move forward in the book, but he says, but if we walk in the light, that means if we believe that Jesus is real and we walk in relationship with him as Jesus, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. That's important, right? He says that again. It's our relationship, not just with God, but with other people. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus... Not your good works, not your smarts, not your good looks, not the works of righteousness that you've done, but the blood of Jesus when he died for us on the cross. The blood of Jesus, God's son, purifies us from all sin. That deceptive, destructive sin can be removed from our lives because of what Jesus did. And I'll be honest with you, that if you'll be honest with yourself, if there's anything you really need, it's forgiveness. Every one of us, somewhere we've got regrets, somewhere we know those things that have separated us from others and even more have separated us from God. You might say, Chad, that's that's great theology, but what do I do with it? Two verses later, 1 John chapter one, verse nine, John tells us this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is real. How do you find it? The first thing you have to do is repent. John says you confess your sins, that you're honest enough to say Jesus, I know you're real, and I need you in my life. But I also know that sin is real, and I have it in my life. And it may mean that you might have to take an inventory, that you might have to think of some of those things that have separated you from God, things that you need to confess to him. Not just confess, but the Bible says that we repent, like we we turn and we go the other direction. I, I, when I was in college, I worked in a bookstore um, part-time uh, to kind of earn some money while I was uh, going to school. And I can remember every year at some point, point, I had the job for, I don't know, two, three years, um, and I remember at some point every year, the owner would say, well, guys, you know what we're going to do this weekend? Inventory. And you would be like, oh, man. Because these books, they were all over the place. And this was a computer system back in the years when you had a hamster and a wheel that kept the computer running, right? That was the, that was the it was a soft drive, you know? And that's how, that's how that worked. And you always knew it was gonna be messed up. And you'd have to go through and count and see what was there and where things were right and where they're there. And you'd always find something that you'd go, this doesn't show up anywhere and it does not belong here and this is just weird. Like why is this thing there? It's not right that it's here. And for some of you, as I say this, there's something that, that's ringing true in your heart and in your mind, and you're like, I, I need to know this is not right. This doesn't belong here. Some of us need to take an inventory of our lives and say, God, what's here that's not pleasing to you? What's here that separates me from you? What's here that keeps me from being who you want me to be? And when you take that inventory, you do it not so you can be condemned. When you repent, you do it, and here's the next step, so you can receive. You can receive what God has for you. One of the things that you'll find when you find his forgiveness is that you receive relationship in a whole new way. When you find forgiveness with God, it helps you to find forgiveness with others. When you find forgiveness with God, it helps you to put yourself in a place where you don't need forgiveness with others in the same way that you did before. Now, we're gonna look at this. We're not gonna take time to talk about this idea right now because we're gonna see it played out as we go through this book. But you not only receive relationship, but what he says here is that you receive righteousness, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. And can I tell you, it's not until you get to this point until you receive that righteousness. What's that mean, Chad, that I'm righteous now and I never sin? No, the idea of righteousness is that things can be right between you and God. And that forgiveness brings that, so that things can be right with you and him and your life can be changed if you will trust in him. And look, there are things that are broken in all of us. And it's not until you recognize that Jesus is real and you need him, and that sin is real and it keeps you from him, that you can come to him and say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness that's real. And then once that's fixed, then you're able to receive what he has for you. On a Valentine's Day, can I say to some of you, as we talk about this idea of love that in the next chapter, John's gonna begin to unpack for us. Some of you say, I don't feel like I have love in my heart. I don't feel like love applies to me. I don't feel, maybe there are moments or places or relationships or things, or primarily your vertical relationship with God. But we'll see a lot about our horizontal and vertical relationships as we go through this book. Our our vertical relationship with God will never be right until what's broken is fixed, and that happens with forgiveness. I really felt when we were putting this all together and praying about this, this message, that for some of you, the most important thing that you can hear is that there's forgiveness Because hearing that and receiving that has been a long time coming. What came to my mind is I remember being a little kid. I don't have any idea how old, six, seven, eight, maybe something like that. And I remember, I I don't remember why, whether it was like a, a holiday and I didn't have school that day or maybe I was not feeling good and so I didn't go to school or I don't know what it was, but for some reason I didn't go to school And so, because my mom and dad were working, I went and spent the day with my aunt. And I remember that she had an appointment to get her hair done. And it did not matter that I was with her for the day. That appointment was sacred. And she went to this lady's house that was a friend of the family, and she had a beauty shop in her basement. Do people still do that? they still do that so she had a beauty shop in her basement and I remember going down there and probably being as bored as I've ever been in my life because my aunt didn't just like get a haircut they would it was a work of art right that they did on her and then after it's all like wet and doing all that kind of stuff then she would sit in this machine that looked pretty cool to a seven year old right and she would sit there and they'd put a little dome over her head anybody with me And then it was, you know, like, and it was a hairdryer that was like, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so she's, my aunt is sitting under this hairdryer and that the thing is down over there. Well, when you're in the age of Star Wars, I had all kinds of ideas of what that was. Right, it's taking her brain out, it's putting her brain in, like it's, you know, all this kind of stuff is happening. And at some point, I don't know, because I've always just been hilarious, right? At some point, I went over, I remember it really well, I went over, and because she's under there, she's probably reading a magazine or whatever, I don't know what she's doing, I kind of snuck up behind her and I went over there and I knocked real hard on it. <laughs> Except, when I knocked real hard on it, I don't know how this happened, The the dome hairdryer part, you know, it's got the thing that goes back and attaches and all that kind of stuff. When I did that, the whole thing like collapsed on my aunt's head. Like I broke it. From that point, everything's real fuzzy in my memory. Except for when we were leaving, I remember the lady who for some reason wasn't very nice to me, (laughs) whose house we were at, said, Chad... You'll tell your parents what you did, won't you? And I said, "Uh huh." Do you know when I told my mom? This week. I told her this week. Just the other day. On my birthday, I told her. And and I was waiting for a response. And if you know my mom, she's kind of looked at me. She goes. Well, if that thing was that cheap, it should have broke when you knocked on it. (laughs) Felt so much better with her grace and forgiveness. It was funny, I was telling that story to some of our team before this message, and one of them looked at me and just kind of kidding, said, you've been carrying that around for years. And I said, that's the point. Like how many things do we carry around for years? Things that we did, things that were done to us, things that have defined us, things that we still think about when we're by ourselves, things that we can't stop talking about because they keep coming up, these things that have impacted us. Because sin's real. And it sticks with us. And it follows us. And it's things that everybody knows. And it's things that nobody knows. And if we're not careful, it defines who we are. Because sin is real. But John would say to you, I have a friend named Jesus and he's real. Because I saw him with my eyes and I heard his teaching with my ears. My hands touched him and I'm telling you, he's the son of God. And my real Jesus can take your real sin and give you real forgiveness. That those things that you've been carrying for so long, you don't have to carry them anymore. And those actions that have defined you, they don't have to define you anymore. That because of what Jesus did when he died for us, when he shed his blood for us, when he gave his life for us, we can know a real forgiveness. And because of that, the power of love can change our lives. So can I ask you to do this, whether you're in this room or you're watching, listening to this, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are or in some way, would you just kind of focus on being able to hear what the Holy Spirit might want to say to you? And look, for some of us, this message has just been a good reminder of who Jesus is and what he's done. But for some of you, right now, the Holy Spirit is just, he's, he's, he's really just He's reaching into your heart and saying, Look, there is something that is available for you that is grace. And there is something that is available for you that is life. There's something that's available for you that is forgiveness. And in this moment, if you'll confess your sin, then because of what Jesus has done, God is faithful. And he's just, here's some of the best words in scripture. He'll forgive your sin. And he'll purify you so that you can be right with God. And in this moment, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to confess out loud. I'm gonna ask you just to simply listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if right now Jesus is offering you forgiveness, would you receive it? Would you repent of that sin? Would you ask him to heal that hurt? Would you allow him to fix what is broken and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Father, I know that in this moment, you can do a deep work in our hearts. And it might not be all of us, but I'm sure it's some of us that before we can experience the power of love fully in our lives, it needs to start by us saying to a real Jesus, in my life I have the effects of real sin, So will you bring me your real forgiveness? Would you let me know your grace? Would you let me experience your joy? I confess my sins. And I receive your salvation. I receive your forgiveness. I'm going to ask that those of you that are here in this room... And those of you that need to receive that forgiveness that are, that are watching online or those of you that have received this forgiveness, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus for sending your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you would forgive my sin and be my savior I give my life to you, my risen Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, look, if you needed to to experience that forgiveness, I really do believe that God can do a work and change things in your heart. If he has forgiven you, then live like it. Live in that forgiveness. Walk in the light. We'll talk about that more in the weeks to come. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, then I hope that you'll go to our website. There's a link in the comments or you can go out on our website. You'll you'll find a place you can click that just says Jesus. We'd love to share more with you about it, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and experience his grace. Before we wrap this up, let me pray with you. Father, thanks for the grace that only you can bring. Jesus, thanks that as we go through this very special book of 1 John, we're gonna experience the power of your love and how it changes us. Jesus, help us to know you and experience you in special and powerful ways. God, thank you that our sins can be forgiven and our joy can be made complete. So would you let your word change us? Would you let your light bring us hope in the darkness? And God, would you let us experience who you are through the power of love? Lord, help us to go into this days ahead with your special favor and with your wonderful peace in jesus name amen